Welcome to Gab, conversations with creative folk doing interesting things. So we're back in the studio for podcast number three, and this time we sat down for a chat with Ian from Studio Something. Based in Edinburgh, Ian and his team work on lots of creative projects, from sending Tunnock's tea cakes into space to producing their own football TV panel show. And we spoke to Ian about his approach to creating stuff and building a studio with his mate. Ian, Studio Something, welcome to the Gab podcast. Hello, thanks for having me. Thank you for coming all the way from Edinburgh. It's, it's such a long, long way away, isn't it? Did you get a, <laughs> did you get a cider on the train? No, I didn't. No, I was working on the train, so unfortunately not. A very good professional. Yes, um, um, yeah, a little bit professional. So thanks for joining us. So you're one of the two co-founders of an Edinburgh studio called Studio Something. What What is Studio Something? <laughs> yeah, I asked myself the same question. Um, so yeah, essentially Studio Something was born out of... Um, so Jordan Laird, um, my co-founder and I, we worked at a agency called Leith Agency, which is a, a creative advertising agency through, surprisingly, in Leith, in Edinburgh. Um, so yeah, so we were a creative team and we were working on campaigns for Iron Brew, Scottish Government, lots of good clients, so a really good place to work. But we kind of um, we kind of started to get a little bit bored making 30-second TV ads that took six months to make, right? So we started making music videos in our spare time for record labels like um, Atlantic Records, Warner, Island Records, Red Bull. And we started to actually, one, make more money doing that <laughs> on our weekends than we were uh, getting paid on our day job. Uh, and two, kind of, we quite enjoyed that we'd get a brief and within two weeks we'd make a, a, we'd have made something ourselves. And it was really quite refreshing and quite exciting, you know, as, as kind of young guys in our early 20s, we were like, this is kind of what we... We quite enjoy this. Is that like an aha moment then? Of I mean, that's that's a double. It's going. Well, this is brilliant, and we're making cash. Yeah, well, yeah. It was. It was. I mean, we were. I think looking back now, it seemed like a lot of cash then. It's probably not that much cash now. But uh, but, but yeah, it was. It was. It was. Cash. It was yeah, it was exciting, and we we're like, oh my god, this is. Uh, yeah, it was. It, it was quite exciting, and it was just that kind of have an idea, making it really quickly, and making something good on our own terms. And we thought, actually, we're probably not actually very good employees for those reasons. So we thought either it was, and we were getting job offers, you know, from the big agencies down in London. So it was it was kind of that time of our career where it was like, we're not going to progress high in this agency unless we stay there for many years. Um, so we kind of thought, do we just start our own thing? Because we didn't really want to go to London. We kind of hate London so it was kind of like do we, do we just wanted to start our own company so we did that so um, so it started off as um, it was called Something Something when we first started we did start where did you get the name Something Something so we did a so when we were at Leith we did a we did a music video for a band called Friend Rabbit uh, and it went really really well so um my good friend Scott, who passed away last year, he gave us an opportunity to do a music video for them and essentially just went, love you boys, want you guys to try something. Um, it doesn't have much of a budget. Are you kind of happy to try something? We were like, oh, yeah, of course, we'd love to. Um, the budget was, uh, it was something like £360 because we wanted a really good GoPro for one <laughs> shot. And we said, God love him, we sent Scott around to look for this GoPro and he found it. He found the one, exact one we were looking for. Um, that was the budget. Got the shot, cut out of the edit, didn't even use it. So, uh, <laughs> but the, the video went down really well and we got an opportunity to do another one. Um, and for some reason we kind of went, oh, well, we don't really know how to make mu- music videos. Mm. We're just a couple of guys that kind of know how to shoot stuff and have good ideas. So we hired in a producer to make the next video that, that uh, Frank Rabbit had for with a proper budget, um, you know, the kind of it was going to be one of their lead singles on the new album and things like that and so we hired in a new producer hired in like a, a production company to help us make it and uh, it was shite hmm. it was really really bad so what, what was missing what um, was so i think i don't know it was it was a bit too polished and i think actually we were a bit unsure of ourselves so it was quite a good lesson that actually um we knew that we had to back ourselves so we kind of went actually we know we know how to do this we can do it um, and don't feel like because things are done proper by certain people that because how we do things it's the wrong way. So that's kind of been quite a good guide. And like early on in our career, where we made that mistake, we never really did that again. You know, a lot of people go, actually, that's not how you're meant to do things. And we go, well, 
this is how we're going to do it. And that's not arrogance. I think that's just because we did get... And the video was so bad it didn't go out. It, my, oh, really? my now wife, my girlfriend at the time, described it as looking like River City, <laughs> but with running and music. Which I uh, imagine is not what Frightened Rabbits were. I, 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 I don't think so, no. It wasn't It wasn't what we were quite going for. And, you know, there was a lot of good lessons from that. that um, when we did the treatment, we didn't mention whether it was in the day or at night. The band thought it was going to be at night. We we shot in the day <laughs> and things like that. That was but like attention to detail. But it's funny like because, yourself. but until you do that, um, yeah. I, I guess there's a good naivety about what you yeah, did. Yeah. But also then there's the bad naivety of yes. oh, of of we fucked this up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But from that, you so having done that for the band and that not turning out, did they trust you again to do something else, or did that sort of sever that relationship? No, no, we did. We did a lot of different mm-hmm. stuff. So we did. Uh, campaign for them which was the furry furry brick built men t-shirt so he got some abuse online from a troll we did some t-shirts for them um, and then we did reimagine the heart song for um heart midlothian um and scott did that as well so so the, the relationship wasn't broken but i think the lesson from that when we started to start our own company was actually just trust yourself and do our Make our own path, do things our own way, uh, and that's kind of what we've we've done ever since. So, so we set up something. Um, so anyway, the point point of that story was, we were feeling a bit down. We didn't want to make any more music videos. And then our mate Gavin, who shoots a lot of our stuff, um, he was like, "There's the forty eight hour film project. Do you want to enter that? It's a bit of fun. You make a film in forty eight hours. No pressure. Just have a laugh." And we made a film called Ping, which Jordan and I were in, and it was kind of us improv, and it was a, it was essentially about a ping pong tournament between two brothers over their dead parents' asset ashes <laughs> once a year. So it was quite it was quite weird, um, but yeah, essentially we had a great time doing it, and we needed a team name, and we called our team something something metaphor because everyone had this like these profound names and we thought that's fucking stupid (laughs) so we we thought something something metaphor it's quite kind of smart arsey kind of daft um and when we came to think of the company name we thought well can't call it something something metaphor it's just that too too smart arsey but something something you know it could it can mean lots of different things, you know. I need a little something, something. I need, you know, it worked pretty well. I don't so. think we'd be sitting here now if you had something, a company called Something Something Metaphor. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, and now, since we've kind of changed the company a little bit and included a venture side, we changed the name to Studio Something to kind of encompass that uh, um, that change, I suppose. So, so yeah, still the same um, SS. Yes, exactly. We get we get shortened to SS all the time, <laughs> which. Uh, Sometimes works. Sometimes seems a bit, uh, yeah, bad connotations with that acronym. Sometimes. <laughs> so that's a, that's a, a kind of whistle stop tour of the that early stage. Yep. But how did how did you even yourself? How did you end up at the Leaf? What drew you there, and what was your background? Um, <laughs> um, so I used to pick up dead bodies. Uh, that was my job, um, and then I kind of worked in a shop. I, I I'd always been quite a creative person. Um, I didn't finish uni didn't really have any qualifications um and but i knew i was i knew i was smart i knew i knew i was good at some things did you knew you wanted to do this kind of thing or no, was was no. ending up in an ad agency was that a total freak accident for um you? i always knew i wanted to make stuff and mm. i think you know um going to an ad agency was kind of the only way I could do mm. that and actually have job security <laughs> so it was actually a mate that I worked with when I worked in the shop Graham he was like oh there's this thing called the hot desk that Leith did um, we should apply for it I know you can write I can use a computer and do art direction do you want to go for it um, so we went for it um, weirdly it was actually Jordan <laughs> that was judging it so he went oh I like these guys let's get them in so we got a, a kind of a month play- placement went to three months you know me being ambitious, I was kind of like, well, they're not giving me a full-time contract, so went to Union Advertising Agency with Graham, my partner, went, are you going to give us a job? We've been here, they gave us a job. I didn't really like it there. Jordan's partner left. He asked if I would become his partner. We got in really well, so, so that's kind of what happened, and that's how... Divorce and that's, infidelity. That's yeah. it, yeah. <laughs> I know, yeah. But hey, it all worked out in the end. <laughs> By the sounds of it, as you said, you'd, it's like slightly unconventional route, mm-hmm. but I, I guess a lot of creative folk, it isn't really seen as a job, you know, in, in, in advertising, yeah. I yeah. guess. 
it, it sounds like a perfect outlet because you're paid to come up with ideas. Mm-hmm. When you first got involved in that, how, how did it sit with, well with you being a creative person and wanting to do stuff, stuff that you liked, but also doing stuff to sell products and doing stuff for clients? Like, did advertising sit comfortable with you at the start? Um, yeah, I think it always did, actually, to be honest. Um, I think a lot of people, you know, commerce is a dirty word when it's mixed with creativity, but I actually think you know, with money comes opportunities. And actually, I think, you know, with, with the clients we were working on and, and um, there's a lot of clients that um, I wouldn't work with, said no to a lot of clients for moral reasons. But most of the time, you know, actually, you can learn a lot of good stuff from, from the clients that are paying you good money, especially, you know, so, so now Studio Something has the... We have the agency side, we have the production side, and we have the venture side. You can learn from all three of those different pillars that we have in the company. And sure, if we're getting paid X amount by a big company, that's just helping us learn more um, about our craft, essentially, or try something new, or work with a director that we won't work with, or an illustrator. Um, so I've always really enjoyed the the money side of it, actually. Oh, you know, that's important. Yeah. Money, money feeds creativity. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's it. You know, we did a thing last year which was called the um, paid as much as a creative director internship because there were so many agencies that were doing unpaid internships. And I think, to some of your points there, that because it's a fun job, you're expected to do it for less money or for free sometimes. And I think that is so dangerous because actually if you think about the type of people that means can get into the creative industries, it's only people that can afford it. You know, and actually me as a wee guy working in a shop, I I actually couldn't afford to quit my job if the lease didn't pay you know, they, really, they had a, pay, a really good paid internship it's a really good point and I think um, especially when you're trying to access really creative talent because as you, your creative talent can come from anywhere Yeah. And um, but yeah people need to have a chance but you need to I guess some people take risks to do it but other people maybe if you've got kids or you're in another situation money's yeah. important yeah. I think so yeah. um so how how did you find so you you said you did a a different approach to an internship was that because you really wanted to do it or were you just so angry that other companies <laughs> yeah, were doing <laughs> other things yeah there was a it was a bit of a re- reactionary thing but actually the more we thought about it it made sense you know Jordan from quite a similar background not from money um that you know if this doesn't work for us there isn't anything <laughs> really so it's like Actually, it was quite reactionary, but I think the reason we reacted to it so strongly um, was because we just thought that's rubbish, you know. You're, and actually, it was a big. It was another agency. I wouldn't say it was, but they they were using it as a big kind of PR thing. Like, mm-hmm. isn't this great? And I thought, no, this isn't great, you know. And I called them out on it, and then a lot of other people did. But actually, it wasn't to kind of go against them it was to go against the general idea what I, what I like about that though is there's I think it's easy to have a reaction against something yeah um, but it, it takes a lot more to do something about it yeah um, yeah do you think that's in everything you do do you think it's important to either put your money where your mouth is or to just take action rather than just talking about stuff yeah um, I think so you know one of the things and this is super exciting <laughs> but uh, one of the things I'm trying to sort in the company at the minute is all our HR side you know <laughs> for, but it's really really important you know for staff you know for instance one thing I think is massively important is like um, equal paternity mm. and actually forced equal paternity so if you're a man that has a baby you need to take time off too you know and I actually think that's how you that's how you address things like uh, the gender inequality in the creative industries and, and advertising especially because if you take away that unconscious bias when you're interviewing a woman or a man then that's taken away so what I'm trying to do at the minute is, is actually sort that out but it's very very hard to do it it's hard to work out how we do that as a company um, and things like that so actually sometimes it's easy to be reactionary as the owner of a company and sometimes it takes a little bit more thought um, and that's taken longer than just going. You know, I want equal paternities. <laughs> so that sparks it. So this is this is quite interesting. So you you're a creative person. Yeah, yeah. Um, you see, you started up a creative company, but now you're talking about HR yeah, and yeah. management. But now, it's creative as well, right? So you go. Yeah, you're right. How how do you how do you get people in your company to do the best work of their lives if they're if if they're worrying about other things outside of their outside of the workplace? They're not going to be as good as they could be. I totally agree. You know, so it's but it sound, what it sounds like, and this is interesting. Your roles progressed. Yeah, so yeah. you you started the company because you wanted to create stuff. Yeah, yeah. And now you are creating things, yeah. but you're you're almost you're enabling things to be created. Yes. 
it required. I know from my experiences, I didn't like that. So we grew a studio and we got it back smaller because yeah. actually we much preferred being right and creating it. Yeah. it and sounds, that, that it, could also happen. <laughs> but what I'm interested in, I, and I'm really, I'm in awe of that because it didn't. It, it happened because when we did it, I wasn't very good at it, mm. and I, I wasn't as concerned with employees and other things as I yeah. should have been. Yeah. Um, so what it sounds like though is it sounds like you're taking a completely different approach and you're you're treating your job as managing director of mm-hmm. the studio with with as much creativity yeah. and care as you'd take that. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I think anything any problem can be seen as a creative problem. So if you use lateral thinking with even boring stuff like HR mm-hmm. or payment or bonuses or, you know, staff share structures. <laughs> it's like what's what makes sense, you know? And how do we kind of go, actually, what makes sense for our company? Because our company's quite unconventional. I don't ever see us being a, a huge agency. That's not really the ambition. I think it's more um, growth is, is more how do we get bigger clients? And actually, I think that's attracting good people to the company and keeping them there and um, the people that we've got, growing them and teaching them. Um, so I see that as a creative problem because actually that's quite hard when you're actually juggling lots of client work and everyone's busy and you know so that's just the management thing but I think it is you know it is creative in many senses I totally agree and um, do you do you enjoy it? yeah sometimes because <laughs> I guess it's t- uh, it must be tough I think it's I think it's easy to look at creative work and you guys do really innovative stuff and yep. you're doing a, a lot of stuff that we'll go on and talk about it's easy to look from the outside and go that looks great fun and it's it's yep. you know obviously really creative but behind all that creativity I imagine is a lot of organising and a lot of planning as well yeah I think you know yeah there is uh and I think the reason I sometimes don't enjoy it is I'm not a natural boss. I don't really like... I've never thought of myself as a boss, um, but sometimes you need to be, right? And I think that that's a thing that I definitely still struggle with. <laughs> um, I don't know if that was the same I for find, you. I you find know. conflict. I, I was really bad at... I was always probably good at knowing what should be done, yeah. and I was not the person to do it. So when it came to dealing with people and staff, when things were going great, yeah. I, w- I was pretty good at it, and yeah. I was good at being upbeat. But I, um, I didn't have a lot of confidence in myself as a boss, so I found that when things got tough my self-confidence stopped it because I kind of crumbled. And I think you need... What I realised that to be a good boss, you need to first want to be a good boss Mm -hmm. because actually you need to take it as seriously as you take your creative work. And Mm -hmm. I think my stumbling block was I sort of looked at myself and said, I'd rather concentrate on doing the work than being a good boss. I think it's really refreshing, though, to to see companies grow and expand because ultimately you have to take that step yeah. um, I mean you am I right in saying you, you brought in a managing director to the mm-hmm. company at one point didn't you um, mm-hmm. someone externally yeah, um, yeah. was that because you felt you, you needed someone with more experience to come in and do that yeah I think so I, I mean I think we were we're still quite young you know I'm, I'm still 30 years old you know and we've been doing this for four years so it's like I still feel in, in agency owner terms I'm still fairly young um, but at the same time I feel like I've done it for ages <laughs> uh, so but you know during that period yeah, we brought someone in and I think we did that for the right reasons but actually the way that the company is it, it's so much from Jordan and I and you know it's bottling that essence and actually when that's not aligned it's it's not good, you know. It didn't work quite the way that we maybe thought it would. It's tough. Um, I had a I had an old boss that said to me, "The best person to sort out all the issues and to sell the company is the company owners." Yeah. Because he had worked in a company where they continually hired salesperson after salesperson yeah. or senior person, mm-hmm. and just like you said, they found that. Well, they were great. They just they weren't the 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 company. Yeah. Um. But I guess what that requires is you to then take a a step up. So what I noticed is you, I guess you when you first started, you were both the creative people, and yeah. I noticed you've changed or your your description of yourself is yeah. managing director and Jordan is creative director. Yeah. Was that a was that quite a conscious thing? And is that very difficult to split out roles initially? Um. Yeah. I, th- I suppose I've always. I mean, when we started, we just went, who's going to do the budgets? And <laughs> it was just like, I was like, I'll do them. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, from the start, kind of, I've always gravitated more to that side. I'm quite interested in business, uh, quite interested in how businesses run. Um, and then last year, you know, when Jordan and I were both still creative director, mm-hmm. I thought, actually, we're hiring more staff. They don't know who to ask for what, mm-hmm. right? 
and I read a book called I can't remember who it's by now, but it's called The Advantage, and it's really really good. It's a a, a business book, and it's all about you know, it's all about clarity, and you know if your business has clarity, that's really really important that if people are going I don't know what I'm doing how does this work what what's going on with that how to ask who do I ask for this who to ask for this and it's trying to get that structure and that's kind of you know we're still trying to implement that just now it's not as good as we could be but hey um so that's kind of my job just now and I quite enjoy that um and yeah I still do a lot of the creative work as well um because we're a small team so obviously I well, need to Talking about the size of the team, so how many are you just now? So we've got about eight in the agency, and then we've got six. We're, we'll, um, we're making a TV show at the minute, so we've got about six people making the TV show um, full-time. Um, we've got a venture called Wellbot, which has four full-time staff, and then we work, we've got a fl- freelancer floor in our 14th century manse that we're based in, <laughs> in Leith. Um, and, yeah, so we use freelancers a lot as well. So quite um, varied. Now, you... You were at maybe what I would term as like quite a successful traditional um, ad agency, a yeah. really uh, probably one of Scotland's most successful ad agencies, and you spoke about wanting to do things differently. Mm-hmm. Um, how how have you found that in practice? Um, what things have worked? What things haven't worked? As you're trying to carve out your own identity in the way you do things. Um, I mean, I think you know, John and I made a conscious decision to not take on what we call churn work. So. I'm sure our company could be a lot more profitable if we just went, oh, we'll make loads of banner ads, we'll do loads of this, we'll do loads of that. But we actually went, actually, we just want to do really good work and, you know, the money will come, you know, eventually. So we just we just focused on that and actually went, what do we want to do? Is this an exciting creative opportunity or could we, could we make it an exciting opportunity? So a lot of our new business stuff is maybe sometimes with clients that go, oh... Don't really, we're quite boring, you wouldn't like to work with us. And we go, actually, sometimes they're the best clients because we can go, we can actually do something really good with you because you want to do something good, right? So, it's a um, hugely important <laughs> yeah. thing, isn't it? Yeah. Really important. We found some of our best projects the last few years, or maybe clients initially, you'd think, well, I'm not sure about that. Yeah. And they turn out to be the best people you could possibly work yeah. with. And it's so rewarding. <laughs> like, I've worked with like huge clients and We've worked, the companies work with huge clients, um, multinational clients, and sometimes trying to get a good creative idea through them is like pushing shit through a sieve. Mm. Like, it's like, it's really, really tough, you know. And I think that's one thing we've learned um, is kind of just, I don't know, like a good client can, can look at, look many different ways. They don't, it doesn't need to be I mean big. It can be a small client that just respects what you're doing. And, and that's kind of what Jordan and I kind of focused on is just kind of going, what is the best how do we make the best work and the money will come and I think finally the opportunities are coming now as well so um, I think it's kind of paying off um, that's, that's good it's good to hear that because yeah. um, I think ultimately that's what everyone wants to do is do good work um, yeah Ideas is, is ultimately what your company is about. Yeah. Um, I would say from looking on the outside, it doesn't seem you're, you're fixed in any one particular medium no. of delivery. What what does it take to to come up with a good idea? I think everyone knows what it takes, I guess, for them to come up with a good idea. What mm-hmm. does it take to create an organisation and to allow space to for people to come up with ideas? Do you now have, now you've got staff, is there a studio something process? Or is everyone very different in the way they operate? Yeah, um, I think everyone's quite different. You know, um, we've got got lots of different personalities in the team now, and they all think quite differently. And I think that's good. Actually, diversity is really good. Um, but I think our process is essentially, we just, like many agencies, we have this briefing template, but it's quite different. It's more conversational, and actually makes clients think about um, their problems as problem problems rather than just a brief. Um, and what comes out of that is usually they don't go, we need a TV ad or we need a poster. They go, actually, here's our problem. How do you solve it? And again, a conscious decision John and I made when we were hiring is we, we won't hire an animator. We won't hire an illustrator because then if a brief comes in, we go, oh, shit, we've got an animator to, <laughs> to pay. So we're only going to push them animation, right? So... What we kind of decided was don't do that, don't 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 hire in-house videographers, things like that, because actually if we do that, we're we're only going to try and, and and do one solution. That's exactly what happened in the place that we worked before. There was only really one way that they could make money, and we started to realise that we'd push these weird digital ideas that were maybe right for the client, 
but wrong for their business model. That's so, a great insight to have had before starting a studio, isn't it? Yeah, because yeah. Because almost seeing, it's not that that's a wrong model, it's just that you go, well, that's maybe yeah. not how I'd like to do it. Totally. And I think one thing that comes with that is maybe, sure, we could maybe make more money, more margin, etc. if we did it the, the other traditional way. But the way that we come at things is, actually, what's your problem? Here's a solution. We might use a freelancer to build, like, for instance, we built an emoji-powered jukebox last year for one of our clients. None of us in the team can do that. We had to find someone that could make that and work with someone that can make that. So does that does that scare you? Um, does it put you... Does it ever put you off? For example, I found... And this is really... See, with less experience, yeah. it's easy to be really brave. And sometimes the more experience you get, it can kind of chip away. What, what I mean by that is we work with loads of different developers mm-hmm. and sometimes we have this great uh, idea and then you get the fear because you yeah. think, well, actually, that didn't go well last time yeah, or yeah. that. Are you guys quite brave in terms of not letting ideas of production affect the idea or do you kind of think about that all at, all at once? I think um, we're quite good at thinking about that all at once because we kind of know how things are made or certainly you know Jordan and I do and you know Heather account producing the team know, know how things are made so you can think about the end-to-end product it just you know yeah I, I, we do think about that at the start but sometimes sure we'll, we'll have committed to an idea and we're like for instance that jukebox you know literally everyone in the team was trying to create pr- playlists for that you know I th- Emma who came up with the idea I thought she was going to have a nervous breakdown because she was like I'm trying to make a playlist which is quite ironic when it was for mental health (laughs) yes exactly (laughs) and it was like it was um, yeah it was it it was really hard to do and sometimes you're like jeez like this is certainly not the easiest way to do things but hey you know I think it it created a really good product at the end of the day and something that the team are proud of that um, I find that quite exciting that's you know, say, say, saying yeah. to saying to the team, what do you want to do? What would you like to do? What would work for the client? You know, and that, that's essentially the the most important thing. That yeah. actually, if it that it's got to work, if you make ideas that work, then that's that's. And the I, whole I point, guess a right? good idea can excite people and can get yeah. everyone galvanised. And they don't. Oh, there's loads of ideas about, but yeah. sometimes ideas. There's certain ideas like once or twice a year, you just get them, and yeah. it's perfect. Um, you you spoke about that. That was obviously a mental health client, and you've yeah. you've been quite vocal on Twitter on and social media platforms about mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's an increased conversation around mental health within a lot of industries, but also from the creative industries. Yeah. And I do find, I think maybe what it takes certain people to do creative work also can sometimes make them um, sensitive, mm-hmm. um, fragile, or whatever it might be. How how important is mental health to you as a person, and how important now you're running an organisation, a studio, and an, org- and I, an industry that's kind of known for its, you know, we're dead busy, we're working really hard, we're mm-hmm. pulling all-nighters which can be damaging. How do you find you your responsibility for that now? And what's your experience around mental health? Um well I think like with mental health it's quite it's quite simple really. Everyone has mental health. You know, so it's as soon as you kinda of go, everyone's got it, it's not a thing where, oh, that person struggles with mental health, that person struggles with mental health. Everyone does. You know, and as soon as that's a great leveller when you go actually, you know, everyone has peaks and troughs and actually anyone can be affected by it, right? Um and I think that's something just to be conscious of, of the different personalities and team. Sure, some people can seem more volatile. You know, I'm, I'm um, a lot less chilled than maybe Jordan is, you know, and that's just a personality <laughs> thing. But, you know, we could be feeling the same but act in different ways in a day, right? So that's a that's a thing that I'm super conscious of um, with my team. And I really like, I really encourage, you know, my team to tell me how they're feeling because actually as a, as a leader of the company, they're being a certain way and I don't know why it's really hard to help them, you know? So so I encourage that kind of conversation. Um, How do you find that comes back the other way from, from the people you work with? Are they comfortable having those conversations? Some, some are. Some are more than others. Um, but I think most people are quite comfortable. You know, I think I'm quite an approachable person with stuff like that. It's, it's never, never, they know it would never be held against them because of how passionate I am about things like that. And actually it's, it's um, just from a business point of view it makes sense you know if someone's not feeling great we make sure that they maybe take a day off or look after themselves and that's just a quiet word of me that can 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 do that you know um and i think that's really important i think as well you mentioned all-nighters we'd never do that no pitches as 
important enough to spend all night on. I used to do that a lot. Um, and if it is an all-nighter, you know, as leaders of the business, Jordan and I will do the all-nighter. Or, you know, for instance, when we were, Jordan was making a TV show, first first edit, they, he, him and Andy, the producer, spent all night editing it. And I just said to him, I was like, you've got to work out a way not to do that again. Because you'll just burn yourself out. And that's the thing with the industry, that you can get so involved and excited about a project that if... if What's the point of actually eighty percent into the project you're knackered and you can't finish the last twenty percent? I think it's really it makes no sense, right? It's quite simple. I was speaking to an animator um, a couple of days ago and they were down working in London and they said, "Fair enough, the the money is great, but you, they get their pound of flesh." So you yeah. were on you were on site from eight a.m. and yeah. then two in the morning you were you were still there with yeah. the breaks. And I think it is interesting because I think what what drives a lot of people into creative industries is you love what you're doing, so it can be sometimes hard to say no to yeah. that excitement of a of a of a pitch and um, things like that. Um, when it comes to pitching as a studio, what what are your views in pitching? Ultimately, you you sell ideas. So, do you ever give your ideas away free in the result of creative pitches, or are you one of these studios that says no, or it, does it just depend? It just depends. You know, I think a lot of I, I think that's I know a lot of agencies say we don't pitch, and I kind of go, all right, okay, well good for you <laughs> um, whereas I think how, the, how know, do you do that if, 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 if a huge company that we've, I've wanted to work with for years come up to us and go oh do you want to pitch for our work oh sorry we've got a big sign on the door that says we don't pitch you know I think I think tying yourself to things like that is really I, I don't know one of my friends runs an agency and, and he said one day that he would never sell uh, as agents <laughs> they approached uh, he got approached last year and someone offered to buy his agency for £60 million. And he owns 50% of the agency, right? And you just go, dude, like... <laughs> surely if you just had him the agency. That, yeah. <laughs> so it's the same thing with pitches, right? It's just kind of like, we would never say no. Actually, a lot of the time, we don't really need to pitch. We do have a lot of inbound stuff, people work, wanting to work with us. Um, pitches are really, really time-consuming. And actually, quite because the type of... Cla- type of agency we are quite a lot of the time we'll be asked to pitch the client knowing fully well they won't ever give us the work but we're the wild card right so it's almost to go these guys are pitching you better up Mm, your game kind of thing you know and I've had a few instances of that which is you know they go we get feedback and it's it's the best feedback to lose a pitch on but it's like this stuff we want to go f- for more conservative work the the stuff was too creative you know and it's almost like a joke kind of that's, and that's really annoying because you've wasted you've yeah and you go alright cool yeah. I'll just make the work worse mm. you know and it, we had had that feedback and then and I think probably like you're pro- probably the same as us and we found we were bad at pitches because our best work comes of working with people, yeah. so with a relationship. So it's having the trust, and the first idea for us isn't the best. Yeah. And it took us ages to be able to say that because we always mm. thought, oh, is that, you need to be great at pitching. Yeah. And what we found is we are terrible at pitching, but we're amazing at doing the work with clients. Yeah. So we just need to find the clients that buy into the way we do things. And it sounds like you, your team are very similar. You know, you're probably not for everyone, but no. who the people you're for it'll probably work very very well and you'll get amazing work totally it's like it's like you say it's maybe sometimes selling a methodology rather than an idea um, because the best ideas come out of collaboration and how you meant to collaborate when you aren't allowed to really speak to a client and you're pitching and you're second guessing so I think you're that's a fundamental flaw of pitching mm-hmm. is you're trying to second guess it whereas you've not spent any time with that business you've not spent any time with the clients you don't know what they like what they don't like so I, I think that's why pitches are quite weird, you know. Yeah, I dig- I, I've, I don't think I've ever done a pitch. Oh no, I've done one pitch where the idea was the exact same as what we presented in a pitch. The other times it's like, cool, great work, scrap it all, start again, let's think about it. And I think that's fine <laughs> as well if you've got a big team. Yeah. But, um, you know, we 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 come up against pitching against students with fifty people, and mm-hmm. they they can they can put a person against the job for two weeks, but. Mm-hmm. We, we can't because no. ultimately if we're pitching totally. we are not and also we're kind of cheating our clients because if we're working on work pitches then we're we're not working on with those clients exactly. so it's but I think it is a, it's an interesting topic but it's an inter- it's, it's very different for everyone I guess and that's an interesting point as well you know what's better is it is it looking after the good clients you have and trying to grow that client to become a bigger client 
Or is it trying to look at that shiny thing and go after the new shiny thing? Shiny thing always looks shiny better. Shiny thing always looks it? better, it does. <laughs> well, and that's why, are... that's why pitches are still so popular. Well, there's a word you mentioned at the start, and it's probably tied into a yeah. lot of what you guys do, and I love this one, it's opportunity. Yeah, yeah. How it sounds as if uh, starting the studio, mm-hmm. meeting your creative partner, um, lots of stuff, it sounds as if you've taken advantage of opportunities. What are your views of opportunities? Do you think they appear and you grab them or are they things that you have to go out and create yourself? Yeah, a bit of both. So I think, um, like you say, like people have a perception of the work we do. A lot of the bi- a lot of the best new business that we've got is just from us doing stuff in our spare time that we like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, I think, you know, that helps create opportunities. So things don't just present themselves to people you have to create those opportunities for yourself right so it's one going what kind of opportunities do you want to create right for, for instance John and I wanted to do more football stuff so we did more football stuff like the heart song we just did that off our own back and, and decided to do it um, so that was an opportunity created people started to see that more and associated more with sport and football and things like that and then um, same with like we did a animated series for tenants called Well Park that was born out of essentially Jordan and I had no <laughs> work when we like, it was maybe like the f- second month or so in this in the studio we realised actually the budgets we had in our spare time doing music videos were really good in our spare time when we worked at Leith Agency but <laughs> when it came to running a business the budgets weren't actually that good so like oh shit I like, think that's need... known as the feel yeah. yeah and it was yeah so we we made this daft animation just to make ourselves laugh and I texted Jordan one morning and I said do you think guide dogs are cockier than other dogs because they can go in everywhere compared to other dogs that often need to wait outside right and he thought oh that's quite funny so it's, it's interesting. That's the sign of a good creative partner. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You could text that to someone else, and they'd say, "Fuck off, cool. yeah, yeah, yeah." You know? <laughs> but it's a serious yeah, point, yeah. and that's uh, so I mean, some something that sounds like a you say a, a silly message. Yeah, that's how things are born, I guess. Yeah, totally. And it was just a text message, and he went, "We've not got any work on today. Why don't I make a? Why don't I draw this and we can animate it and 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 whatever?" We had like a talk coming up at some event. And uh, he was like, we'll make it for that and we can show it at the end and it'll be funny. And we were like, okay. So we made this daft little animation. Just so happened, Jane Cannon, who was the marketing director at Tenants, was in the crowd and she went, oh, I really like that. Do you think that could be like a thing for Tenants? And we went, oh, I don't know, like maybe. Um, and that essentially got us a big contract for <laughs> that took the, like, the TV budget off of maybe our old agency <laughs> and uh, should have loved you for that and uh, and we got to we got to make that and but that was just how, but if we had never yeah. done that if we went oh I'll send an email to some I'll send 50 emails to some marketing directors who have never heard of us etc that would never have worked so it's essentially the opportunities arose just because doing stuff that we thought was good Hopefully, other people think's good, and that's really quite simple. But you know, <laughs> it's uh, not a lot of people maybe do it. No, they um, don't. And the people talk about it and go, "How many?" Like it's hilarious now making having a TV side of the company because so many creatives that I used to work with, they always have like a their script in the top of their their desk, and it's like, "Oh, I've written a screenplay." It's like, "Cool, man. Why don't you just make it?" Oh, well, how do I make it? It's like. You have access to all these production companies. You have access to all these brands that could maybe sponsor it. Do you think it's people... <laughs> I, I think there's a... I mean, certainly there's a conf- confidence totally. thing can be a big problem. And there's a fear of going, I don't want to put myself out there. Do you, ever, a, do you ever find that yourself? Yes, I think that's a big Scottish thing as well. It's the... Um, you don't want to look like a dick. And I think that's one thing that Jordan and I have been totally unapologetic about. It's like, I don't care if people think I'm a dick. <laughs> my wife and my dog, and I think Jordan likes me. And <laughs> like that's kind of enough, you know? <laughs> well, that, so this is a real... And I was going to ask you about this, and this is a... So is it a very unscottish thing to be a young, ambitious agency wanting to grow, wanting to... For example, you know, you, we'll talk, a, if we've got a bit of time, about a TV show. Yeah. I think it's I think it's amazing, really refreshing to see a company saying, look, OK, we started off doing ads for people, but now we've got our own TV show or yeah. that. How, how important is it to you to be ambitious? And do you think, do you think there is a certain Scottish thing of we, we're not sure about of ambition? What's your views on that? Um... 
yeah, it's that tall poppies thing, isn't it? You know, it's like when uh, Marty Pello from Wet 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 wore a flowery shirt on top of the pops and people thought, he's changed. He's changed. Marty, why are you wearing that flo- flo- flowery shirt? It's because he was on the smack. <laughs> Probably, yeah. I don't know if we could say that, can we? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so Marty was on the smack wearing his flowery shirt. <laughs> um, no, but the, the, it's that tall poppies thing, isn't it? Where it's like, oh, don't get too big for your boots type thing. And and hey, we've always been, I think we're quite grounded people as well. But it is going, you know, it's not, you shouldn't be ashamed of wanting to be a little bit ambitious or do things a bit differently. And actually, you know what? Things don't work out for us. And I'm sure there's lots of people that go, aha. And it's like, all right, well, fine. Like, th- th- at least we tried, you know. And if if you try, I don't think you can really beat yourself up too much because at least you've tried doing the thing you wanted to do. That if you try for the wrong reasons, like, for instance, that's why, you know, money obviously is a, is a motivator to a lot of people. But actually, if you put money first, you'll never have enough money. You know, so it's almost like if money's the main driver for starting a business, like... You, how much more money can we make? How much more money can we make? How how can we cut costs? That if that is your primary motivator, rather than just going, sure we want to make money, but we want to do good stuff. That's a different. I think so. But I think it's really bus- important as well, and I think it is a hard thing when it comes to, especially I think people starting out, when when it comes to like money and the creative industries. What what advice do you thinking back to when you were st- you've now got a studio and yeah. you've got staff and um, and it's amazing how well you're doing. But you remember that feeling of of just wanting to do stuff and just wanting to yeah. make it. What what learning what you've had. What advice would you give to anyone who either wants to do something different or just wants to start something or um, just make it. Like essentially, like find someone that can if it's a film find someone that knows how to use a camera and essentially think about how you can make something sim- simply you know so for instance you could make a film with no sound on a super 8 camera and i'm sure it could be really good but at least you've made something you know i think people it's this is um so i say i think perfect is the enemy of good so people don't want to start because they're scared that it won't be exactly how they want it to be and you're, I think you're that describing the Jam Hot website. <laughs> <laughs> but do you know what Sorry, I mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? It is. It's like you don't start something because you're like, oh well, it won't be exactly like that. It's oh, like, yeah, well, of yeah. course it won't be. It never will be. And actually, if you make something, you go, that is exactly how I wanted it to be. You're a fucking liar. Like it's so. It's so there'll always be something that'll bug you about a project, and you go, I'll do that better next time. So you found someone. You you just it sounds as if you've got a lot of your 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 opportunities by just doing rather rather than yeah. thinking about it too much? Yeah, yeah. Or do you need to do both? Well, I think, like I was saying, you know, sometimes we go, actually, what do we want to do more of? Like sport. So how do we just make something about sport? And people go, oh, well, they do that now. You know, so I think there is strategic thought in what we do. But also, yeah, a lot of the time it's just going, we think this is good and we want to do more of this. So we'll make something in that realm. So you've got a, you've mentioned this, but you've got a TV Show now. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know any other creative studios in Scotland <laughs> yeah. that have a TV show. Yeah. Um, how how did you get a TV show, and um, how how's it been going? Um, so, essentially, that's one thing in the company is that we really encourage everyone internally to we encourage. It's a I hate this term side hustles. They're side projects. Side projects. I hate the word hustle. You're going on um, Gary V there. I know. Hey, I've got a side hustle. Um, but yeah, essentially, side projects, right? We they People should feel like they can do them in the company because actually you should feel like you come to work and you do the stuff you want to do. So uh, that was born out of um, Rob, who's our community manager. He's on a podcast called The Terrace. And essentially, they, they've been going for about 10 years. It's a guy called Craig Fowler that's ran it. And... Um, he got approached by the BBC, BBC Scotland, and go, oh, is there maybe an opportunity to make a pilot um, based on the Terrace podcast? And he went, oh, well, fucking, I don't know how to do that. Uh, <laughs> does anyone have any suggestions? Rob was like, I'm sure something could make that. We've got a production arm. We've always done like production, um, video production, things like that. Um, <laughs> so we went, oh, I suppose... 
we could try and make it, so we brought in. Were you? Were you? You sound. He- were you hesitant? Like, because I like you say if you've got loads of client work and people. No, I, I or was it? Did you just jump no, into? No, I didn't. I didn't hesitate. Okay, once. So, so I met Craig and uh, myself and Rob met Craig and chatted it through. Had quite a. I think we were quite clear what we wanted to achieve with the pilot. It was something that was quite different. You know, it wasn't um, to compete with the likes of sports scene. It was to com- more be an alternative thing for people that maybe wanted something a bit different so it's a bit fantasy football mm-hmm. a bit kind of um it's quite like the podcast and the guys talk a lot about all 42 teams in the spfl um and we have little vts um, little videos in between that are a, a little bit different than ask a question about scottish football i mean they look I, i've seen a couple of them they yeah. look great and what it what it seems like to me is amazing that you through the tv program you're getting to show off a lot of other skills like art direction script writing yes. but in a very different non-commercial way which yes. I imagine will be really attractive to clients you yeah would yes uh, so that's that's been really interesting and actually from the start that that was one of our um, unfair advantages as well when we were making the show we understand marketing and social media so we actually went we need people to watch the show so we're going to consciously make little segments in the show that we know we can lift and put on social and that just get that's our advertising Right, because you don't have an advertising budget, so you need things to kind of be interesting to gain traction online. We did a, a clip about Eriske, which is a little island that has a wonky pitch, and that went, you know, that's been viewed millions of times now online. Um, we did uh, our broth game shot like Wes Anderson that got picked up by USA I that was Today. Great. Yeah, I and it's great, like, yeah. you know, it's total, it is kind of, it's for a certain type of person, right? And it's not for everyone, and that's really what we wanted to set out to make that, again, it was like, it's what. Jordan and I like it's what the guys on the podcast like they are so knowledgeable about football as well they're brilliant um, so how and interesting how is it important when you're doing something like that is it to stick to your guns and to say this isn't for everyone yes. because the biggest danger in any creative project whether it's a poster is if you try and in our experience you try and make something that everyone likes no one will love it yeah um, how how important is that do you think when you're pursuing something it goes back to that point I made about the failed music video you know if we had tried to do it proper and tried to make it shiny or go oh we maybe shouldn't do that because other people do it like this we would have never got that commission because essentially what we did again back yourself you have to back yourself if we went you know this is what we think's right and we've got to believe in that and we've got to commit to that if we half commit to that it's just going to be a watered down version of what we hoped it would be so for the pilot, we went, you know what? We're probably a wild card anyway. So we're just going to do a show that we really, really want to do. And I, kn- I know some of the other companies that, that did other pilots. There were six other pilots. <coughs> and I, it's like, it, I'm flabbergasted <laughs> that we got it. But, you know, we only got it because the feedback was this. Everyone else tried to make a slightly more edgy version of what was already out there whereas you guys looked at it from a completely different point of view and it was really refreshing you know whereas if we had done what we did with our failed music video went maybe we should do it like this maybe we should be like more like everyone else just to get the work and I think it's an easy you trap know, to fall worked. into, though. Yeah. I think it's easy. It's you know it's uh, and we've certainly done it in the past. You kind of do things that you think is what the people like. Yeah. And uh, the more you try and do that, it's it's tricky because you you lose your sense of what what you want to do. Yeah. Um, and maybe that I don't know. I don't know if that's arrogance or not. It's it's more if if you go, I'm doing something because I think that's what they want. What's the point of you? <laughs> like, what is the point in being a creative? Do something that you think's generally good. And you th- you like and you think other people will like. I think do you know have I've, a really I think good right. strategy. I Why? Think you're right. Why? It's, are you it's doing so. It? I mean, it's the same. We 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 scaled back the studio as well because we we only want to put out what that we're proud of, and yeah. we found we were doing a lot of churn work, as you say. Yeah. And you just it, it destroys the soul. Yeah. And I think it's fine if you're interested in money, but when you're interested in creativity, yeah, it, it eats away at you. But it is a fine balance, I think. Um, but ultimately, that's the only way. You know, if you if you get clients or studios or other people that buy into what you're doing. Then it's that's how things work. So it's so you've got you've got a lot of stuff going on. It yeah. sounds you've got quite a small studio as such, but quite yeah. flexible. So you've got v- this ventures. You've got client work, which I imagine your clients as everyone are hugely demanding, as all clients <laughs> yeah. are for good reason because <laughs> yeah. they're giving us money. Yeah. So you've got all this stuff going on. How do you find that? 
possible and how, how you split your time between it all and do you think in the future you'll go back and focus on one particular thing or are you quite happy to be involved in so many different uh, pieces of activity? Um, yeah, I think, you know, essentially just now I'm trying to get everything running well, seeing where actually, so there's a lot of opportunities and actually saying no to a lot of stuff's important too, so we don't say yes to every opportunity, we actually say no to, to a lot of stuff, which I think is really empowering. Um because we can't do it all and if we try to do it all then we'd end up to be in a 70 person <laughs> studio and then oh shit we've not got as many opportunities we need to sack 35 of them you know like a lot of agencies do right so um does it find balance then, yes exactly so it's like yeah so it's it's going actually and that is strategic i suppose it's us going what do we want to do what what is fun stuff to us and our staff and what where can we actually get value from you know, and I think value these days, you know, I, I think the days of scaling an agency to sell is dead. Who's buying Scottish agencies? No one, you know. So um, it's more getting really good clients and maybe a few of them, you know, so that that can sustain the team. The team can do other things, um, side projects, and then we can hopefully help incubate them and make them into ventures. It's really quite simple, I think. It's You're like... making it sound good. <laughs> uh, I'm going to take you for a pint after this and you can tell me how to run the studio. Um, um, but yeah, so that's that's it. And it's trying to get um, it's trying to get slightly, not uh, bigger clients, but clients that maybe will give us more of their budgets and maybe that's four or five really good clients like that. And that's really all we need to operate well. Um, so it's, I mean, it sounds as if you, I mean you really you sound as if you've got head screwed on, and it sounds as if you're doing a, a fantastic job. Um, what's, <laughs> what, what's the you know everyone looks at creative and design studios and you see all this amazing work. You yeah. never see any of the stuff that goes wrong. Yeah. And I think on a daily basis, stuff goes wrong. Oh, what's, yeah. the, what's the biggest thing that's went wrong in the last couple of years? Like the biggest thing that you've personally got wrong um, that you can talk about. Yeah, <laughs> I think. Um, I think in the last year or so, it's been quite hard, kind of bringing more people into the studio that aren't Jordan and I, because Jordan and I were quite telepathic, you know, in a weird way that we knew what was right and we knew what was right for each other. I think the hardest thing, you know, that's maybe not what we've got wrong, but it's actually we assumed that everyone else was like that. And that meant our communication was really poor with our colleagues and with our staff. And as we started to grow, we were really, really, we were actually really poor at that. And we were bad bosses because of that. So it was instead of going, you know, it was what Jordan's phrase is, it was like an invisible electric fence. You've done that wrong. Oh, well, I don't know why. You know, so it was yeah, so, yeah, yeah. so like so that's essentially that's kind of what we got wrong. We assumed, and that's a difficult. Thing. We assumed everyone else was like us. I think that's first of all. I think that's a difficult thing to get over. But what I think is really good. It's quite a a difficult thing to realise that mm -hmm. that's an issue. How did you realise that was a challenge? Well, was so that's still stuff I'm working through. Mm, okay. There's it's still not perfect. So it's kind of how do we make that better? How do I say how how do people um, you know? I think Joe and I can sometimes be quite hard to work with because of the way that we are but actually you know it's trying to work out how how can we structure that in a way that works for other people and actually makes other people happy rather than going oh, like I know they know what they're talking about but I don't know what they're talking about um, communication yeah I think that's one thing we got wrong definitely when we were getting more staff involved and it's getting it down what's the plan what's good what's bad um, what we're trying to achieve um I think that's it, really. I think this stuff is tough. Um, and yeah. I think um, that idea of running a studio is, I, I find, incredibly difficult. And I think it's um, it sometimes good to talk about the difficult things because actually what I found was it's only when you talk about what you find difficult that you un that you realise that a lot of other people have the same challenges mm -hmm. and it's not it's not you that's rubbish at it. It's just that actually this is a difficult thing to do. Everyone has the same problems. And I think that's, that's in this industry and in other industries, you know, Communication as a leader, that'll be most people's problems um, in most companies. And it's quite ironic um, for communications companies. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's like, oh, well, I can write ads for someone else, but I can't explain what's going on in my own head, right? Um, but yeah, so it's like everyone have those problems. And like, um, I always use this kind of guiding phrase that my dad said, 
he used to get um, so he was my football coach so he would drive around all these kind of uh, towns in West Lothian and places that he'd never been to before and he'd he would never find the football pitch he'd win, wind the window down and he'd go where's this where's that tell me how to get to this pitch it was before Google Maps obviously and he'd always just turn to me and he'd go you'll never get lost with a tongue in your head and I always think that's a really good kind of phrase because it's like if you don't know ask like there's loads of times when I've went oh I, I know how to do that and then all that happens is you know but in the back of your head you don't and then it builds and builds and builds and builds and then you're like it makes you miserable because you're going oh shit I've, I've pretended I can do something instead of just going I don't know how to do that please help me someone else knows how to do that and it's like you can't be an expert in everything right and I'm sure you're nodding your head like I think you, you, you've had similar problems and you know everyone else does and it's ask people because they've been there before and it's having good people that you can confide in and go actually I don't know what I'm doing I'm a bit overwhelmed and you should feel like you can talk to your colleagues and staff in that way as well and it's it's okay to be a fallible leader you know leaders are still people too and some days I'll go you know what guys I've got a lot to get through I'm going to look miserable and I'm going to be downstairs but it's all good I'm just trying to work through some stuff I'm just imagining <laughs> walking out with a t-shirt saying leaders of people too <laughs> yeah. with a single T on yeah. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. but it's, uh, care for my privilege well, well one, one of the things I guess so studio something's um, an exciting youthful company yeah. um, if, if someone was listening to this um, I don't know if anyone is listening to this um, we, we're we just in a big out. black box um, at the minute aren't we so. <laughs> we uh, if someone wanted to get involved with your company to collaborate yeah. with you to get a job there or just to get involved what's the what's the biggest bit of advice or what would you say to them um, so I get emailed quite a lot with people's portfolios and it's quite funny actually there was two people my inbox is an absolute catastrophe right so I get I get loads so many emails a day but I was like actually I'm going to read a, a couple like two weeks ago and I read two and I gave both of them jobs so one of them's now like a production manager uh, on the show and another one's shooting um, product photography for Innocent Gun one of our clients and uh, it was just like that hardly ever happens so it is just get in touch you never know you know and actually if your work's good you know so many people send me a CV and it's a written CV and I'm kind of like oh that's cool like I can see where he went to school you know I've never been asked for a CV anywhere that yeah, way Leith when I met Jerry Farrell who was the creative director there he just took me for coffee and he went uh, we work with Iron Brew we need social ideas here's the brief what would you come up with and literally had to come up with ideas then and he could judge if I was good at coming up with ideas or not That's that was literally my interview you know and it was like show stuff so make st- if you've not got a portfolio make a portfolio just to come up with ideas and I think that's the best way to kind of get in touch with us or well, it sounds like a soft touch get the email through to you and you could have a job yeah if, if, yeah, if, 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 <laughs> if, if I read, I read it yeah well we'll finish I really appreciate your time we'll finish up now just with just with one question it's around um, I guess collaboration so mm-hmm. you how important is it to have creative partnerships you've started the studio with um, a creative partner mm-hmm. um, and it sounds like you're still pretty close coming up with ideas you collaborate with a lot of other people yeah. so how important is collaboration and partnership in, in what you do I think it's um, the key and especially in terms of where the industry is going you know more less and less full service agencies will get work and it, clients will just go to specialists right so we collaborate with lots of people because we can't do everything ourselves. You know, we can do a lot of stuff and do production ideas, etc. But we always need collaborators because actually they'll be they'll make our ideas better. Um, it's it's how you know productions have worked for um, for years. Like imagine you try to record the podcast by on your own. You know, we're here in a, a studio with an expert recording it. You know, it's so simple. It's like get someone who's good at doing the thing we need them to do, and it's much better. <laughs> And you're right, it's, <laughs> it's so simple. It's funny, the only reason we're doing this podcast is because um, Steve and Phil reached out and said, have you yeah. ever thought of doing a Gab podcast? And again, there we thought, go. well, let's take advantage of the opportunity. But yes. yeah, they, they are great at what they do, so it, it means this can come to life. But experts, right? You're so right. it's a collaboration, and I think that's it. It's um, it's the way the industry's going. Collaboration's exciting as well, because you might have wanted to work with someone for ages, and you get an opportunity to do it, and you always keep people in the back of your mind, suppliers, etc., and that's part of the exciting thing of what we do. Um, 
and yeah, I think, you know, in terms of being an agency, we need to work alongside other agencies. I really don't respond very well when there's an agency with elbows out, you know. I'm trying to win more of the budget here. I'm not really, I don't really operate like that. You know, if that's, if someone's going to do that, that's fine because actually it'll get them unstuck further down the line. Mm. And I've seen that actually with quite a lot of companies uh, recently and you go, okay, I can see what you're doing. I'll just let you do that and I'll just continue doing my little thing <laughs> in the corner here and hopefully they like that. Um, and yeah, I think just be sound to folk and folk will be sound back to you. <laughs> it's quite simple and that's a good collaborator. Uh, <laughs> and I can't think of a better way to end up. Ian, thanks so much for your time. Um, I really thank appreciate you. it. Cheers. Cheers, thank you. Thanks to Ian from Studio Something. We really hope you enjoyed the chat. So if you like the podcast, then please subscribe and maybe even leave us a nice wee comment to make us smile. And why don't you check out gab.scott for details of future chats and upcoming events. Cheers.